0: The Holy Gospel according to John, the 18th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not Jewish, am I? You say that I am a king. For this I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. grace to you and peace from the one who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from jesus christ the faithful witness the firstborn of the dead and the rulers of the king the ruler of the kings of the earth to the one who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom Priest serving his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. It's really convenient when one of the readings from, for the day provides such a wholesome greeting to begin a sermon. To begin preaching to you especially on this Christ the King Sunday and this the end of the church year. The writer of Revelation, known as John, really begins this book by embodying the magnificence and the royalty of Christ that he deserves and that we celebrate this day. Every year on this Sunday, I feel like I share the same words about how much we need Jesus, we need his rule, his kingdom in this world. Usually these words are in response to some violent actions going on throughout the world by different kings that are bringing violence and suffering against an innocent people. I've called out leaders in the world in the past for not living peaceably with each other, nor the people they were given their title to serve. Kings of this world are often more concerned with being served by those around them than by serving the very people that make up their kingdom. But of course, as Christians, as servants of Christ, who is our king, we often fall short of living fully into that calling, that challenge of servitude as well. It's not often that somebody views such a title or call to rule the way Jesus did in service to others. And granted, it's not something probably anyone can ever achieve in this broken world, but still, we pray for it. We long for it. We pray for God's guidance toward it amidst all the dark news of hateful and hurtful decisions made by kings of this world. We pray for it, we long for it, just to have little moments of light, of hope, for when God's kingdom will truly come. This may seem a little silly, but I have a good example, or at least one that gave me a little bit of hope you think that it's something related to the future, but actually it's a part of world history. I once watched a film entitled Outlaw King. It's a wonderful cinematic account of a true story from history. And I'm a bit of a history buff, meaning I I like to, to read about and to learn about history. And if you do too, then this will be right up your alley. You see, Robert the Bruce was a Scottish elderman and lord in medieval times, and he led the Scottish people in revolt uh, from the tyrannical King of England. And Robert the Bruce fought alongside the likes of William Wallace, which many of you may remember from the movie Braveheart, which Mel Gibson did so many years ago. At any rate, there is a line from the movie that resonated with me in light of Jesus' understanding of the kingship of our gospel text. You see, when Robert the Bruce was crowned, when the coronation happened, when he was made king of the Scots, he gave a powerful oration about how he was accepting it only so that he could serve the people, not so he could be lord over the land, not so that he could had control over all of these things. He was very much hesitant to become king. He wanted to help them in their freedom from tyranny, not to just have another tyrant rule over them. Now, for as much as I know about this history, which isn't all of it, and maybe Hollywood fubbed it a little bit to make it more appealing to the emotions, I'm sure Robert the Bruce wasn't a completely selfless king, but his speech wasn't far off from how he ruled. Anyone can look at the accurate historical records to see this. He wanted to empower and support his people and not take advantage of them. Unlike the landlords and kings that they had been suffering from so long. I have to believe that Robert the Bruce, who like many medieval Brits and Scots were faithful Christians, that he wanted to embody just a little bit about what Jesus called for with his kingship and the reign of God's kingdom. He accepted the title not for the power that it brought, but for the responsibility that it entailed for the people. Jesus' interaction in our gospel with Pilate certainly was not a coronation ceremony. But Jesus was exhibiting what the one who leads in the kingdom of God must and do and embody to be worthy of a title. The title of king in the kingdom of God comes with the responsibility to be a loving king, a servant king in all things. Christ the King hasn't always been a liturgical festival in the Church, only since 1925, when Pope Pius XI instituted this celebration, has it become so popular, so practiced. You see, Pope Pius felt that the world was growing too secularized, living only in and being consumed by the kingdom of this world, rather than God's kingdom And it really always seems odd timing, this text. Jesus is on trial, standing judgment before Pilate and his own people, only four weeks before we celebrate his birth at Christmas. But of course, its timing is intentional in regard to the liturgical calendar. In general, the Gospel of John has been telling us that Jesus is king from the very beginning. What would it be like if the world acknowledged Christ, the servant of servants, as king from our beginning? A king who brings peace, not violence. Love, not hate. I pray for this daily, and I know that I'm not the only one. And thank goodness for that. But we need more of us to pray It's almost a prayer that we truly have to close our eyes to say so that the the distraction of the world around us doesn't take away from the hope that the kingdom of God can bring for Jesus to truly come, to reign in our lives. This is the truth that Pilate asks Jesus about And it's not included in our passage today, in our pericope today, but it comes immediately following the end of our passage. If you were to look a verse beyond verse 37, you would see the half verse of 38. Pilate asked him, what is truth? It's a very existential question. It's an important question to ask in order to understand what God's kingdom is all about. The truth isn't propositional like most truths that people follow in this world. This truth about God's kingdom is relational. It is embodied in a person. Namely, it is Jesus. And everything that he did and encouraged us to do in his life and ministry. This is what it means to call Christ King. Today and every day. Because the cornerstone that holds that whole kingdom together is about relationships. Not coercion, not by force, not by the ability to hold control over other people. It is all motivated by our communal sense of serving each other. The way that our God, our King, served us. As Lord, as Yahweh, as Ancient One, as Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. Christ is our king because he served us, not because we serve him. This is the kingdom that we strive to be a part of, to bring more about in this world where Christ's kingship is celebrated by serving one another to the glory of our God. Amen.